A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. If it was one piece of advice, it would be uh, set a date, uh, make that date realistic, but stick to it um, and make everything work towards that date because um, you see so many people with the dream and it's always, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. But if you set a strict, realistic date um, and work everything towards that, then you have a goal. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverbird Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests are sharing inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. I have talked to many sailors who have left their home ports without a return date in mind, but that's not the goal for everyone. In this episode, you'll hear from someone who wanted to take a break, made a plan, stuck to it, and went sailing. My guest is Julie Hyde, who put her work as a lawyer aside for two years, and during that time, she, her husband, and their two boys explore all that their home country of Australia has to offer. Julie and I talk about how they made this happen with busy careers, school, hobbies, and a pandemic, and why this family of four wanted a change from the normal life. Here is my chat with Julie from Elusive Sailing Adventures. Why don't we get started by just with the basic introduction. So who are you? Where are you? And of course, what is your boat like? We're on a 47-foot monohull um, with a pilot house. It's called Elusive 3. We're on AIS on marine traffic, so you can see our location anywhere in the world. We are currently located in the Sundays, a group of islands in Queensland, Australia, and we sailed from South Australia, uh, our hometown in Adelaide. We left there in at the end of April this year. So there's myself, my husband, Sam, and our two boys, Will, who's 13, and Oscar, who's 10. So you've been going at this a few months now, but before we get into all the liveaboard stuff, 
can you share a little bit? What was your life like before you started this live abroad adventure? Sure, it was pretty hectic, uh, really busy. So. Um, I was a partner of a fairly large law firm in Adelaide. My husband was the principal marine biologist for the Environment Protection Authority in Adelaide, and we were both working very long hours. Both of the boys had a lot of sports commitments, so probably five nights a week they were either sports training or playing sports, uh, including um, national-level sailing competitions. So we were a really, really busy family prior to this lifestyle. Uh, so we just wanted to do this as an opportunity to but slow down, really, and, and spend some more time as a family. So you mentioned there that your boys did sailing already before you started all that. So what kind of sailing background does the family have? As a family, uh, well, the, the boys both sail little one design boats called Optimus. And they sail them out of our local club. Uh, my oldest has been sailing at a competitive level for about five years. And he's been very successful um, in getting into the Australian team and um, or development squad. And um, we've travelled Australia, really, with um, supporting his little um, sailing adventures. My husband's been sailing since he was about that age as well. And we met about 20 years ago when I joined a sailing club to learn how to sail in my late 20s. So we all have an interest in water sports and sailing. Yeah, of course. And since you are based in Australia, I can completely understand the water sports. I lived in Australia for a few months uh, back in the day on a working holiday visa, and I completely became a water person when the <laughs> beautiful ocean was right there. So... Uh, I can imagine that, that you have a very um, good connection to the water and uh, it's easy to access. That's great to hear that you had, you know, a fair bit of experience before you started to live on a boat. But uh, how did that all come about? Then how long were you thinking, like, maybe we should live on a boat? Yeah, it was quite a transition. So um, early before kids, my husband and I sailed a trailer sailor, which was called a TS-16. And we sailed that competitively. It was a two-up uh, sailboat. And we sailed that competitively for about six years. And then uh, up until I was about six months pregnant with our oldest. And then I stopped sailing for a bit and he was sailing little boats. And then uh, we bought a, a boat called an Elliott 780. It was a sports boat. And so I would sail that when I could on a Wednesday night twilight. But I was busy with the kids and, and working. And so we had we did little cruises in that. So that was more of a racing boat, but with the ability to cruise by taking on a little gas stove and, you know, putting carpet in and, and mattresses in and we'd go off for a little weekend down the river. So it wasn't an ideal cruising boat. And then I felt a little bit, I guess, left out. Sam was sailing this uh, sports yacht every week and we were spending a lot of money on repairs every time something broke and uh, I'd said I think that we need to buy something that we can enjoy as a family so we bought a production boat a Genoa 37 which was beautiful we spent about five years uh, any 
long weekend, uh, all of our Christmas holidays, any holidays that we had, we would spend doing local coastal cruising in that Genoa and we loved it. We, we had some amazing times. And then I guess we were introduced to Delos maybe five or six years ago. And then we started watching YouTube sailing channels and we were inspired by this lifestyle. So we yeah, looked around for a, a bigger, more ocean crossing vessel with the intention that we wouldn't just be doing coastal cruising around Australia, but we would be crossing oceans and going to the Southwest Pacific, ultimately to Indonesia where the kids could uh, do some surfing. But that's all been thwarted by COVID. And uh, we're coastal cruising around Australia anyway, <laughs> but we've got a big comfortable boat. Yeah, so it has been quite a transition. So obviously, yes, that was quite a journey to go from having that leisurely sailing experience and, and then becoming a liverboard. So I'm curious to know how long did that idea mull over in your heads to become a liverboard and how long did that process take for you to rearrange your lives so that you could live on a boat and essentially set sail? Yeah. So probably when we were introduced to the YouTube sailing channel, we started then uh, putting things in place. And, um, you know, we, we would spend our Sunday afternoons, which was really our only downtime with our work commitments and the kids' sporting commitments. And we'd have a drink on a Sunday afternoon and we'd catch up on all of this SV Delos and we would talk about these plans and how it would how we could achieve it. So essentially, um, we resolved it would take at least five years to save uh, the money to be able to have two years off. So our plan is uh, not necessarily permanent liveaboard. Sam has uh, two years off with his work guaranteed to return to work in April 2023. And I just quit work and we'll deal with it later. I've started up a little uh, sole practice remotely and doing a little bit of remote work um, but we probably five years ago, we set a leave plan. We said, okay, this is all the things that we need to, all the ducks that we need to get in a row to be able to achieve casting our lines and, and setting off. So we thought it's a five-year plan. Uh, we set a date. It was March 2021. And that was everything. It was, you know, it, it seemed so far away, but of course that gap just closed relatively quickly. About a year before the planned leave date, we put tenants in our house and moved on board the boat. So that was in February 2020. And we thought, well, we're working such long hours. We're never home. Can't keep up with the maintenance and the gardening. We may as well put a tenant in our house because we're really only just home to have a sleep and we barely see one another. And, of course, we moved on to the boat in February 2020 and then COVID hit. And so we've gone from a large home <laughs> to a really small living space. And now all of a sudden we're both working remotely from home and homeschooling the kids. But luckily at that time, South Australia uh, and still has been relative or very lucky with COVID. So we've only had a couple of uh, short lockdown periods. So it didn't inconvenience us too much. But we spent a year uh, living aboard in the marina uh, kids going to school, uh, us going to work uh, before we pass the lines and, and head off. Yeah, wow, that is quite the timing that you had. I can't even imagine what an introduction to live aboard boat life that was. You know, obviously that's not what you had planned at all, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Apart from COVID, if that wasn't a factor, what do you think was the hardest part in making the transition from land or from your house to to live on a boat? Getting rid of um, and sorting through a lifetime of, you know, things. And my husband has always been a bit of a minimalist. He, if, if something's not touched or hasn't moved for a few months, he'll just put it in hard rubbish and get rid of it. And I'm a bit more sentimental. I'll just steal it back out of hard rubbish and say, I'll use that next week. Or, you know, I, I don't like, I like to keep things. But, um, so we all, we never accumulated too much. But, you know, we did have a three bedroom home with, you know, a big two car garage and the garden shed and then a workshop. So we had a lot of things and we didn't want to incur the expense of storage whilst we were away. So we did get rid of the majority of our assets apart from our home. We sold our cars, uh, we sold most of our furniture apart from our bedroom furniture and we, prior to putting tenants in, we just cut off half of our garage and said um, we will keep that and that's where we've stored um, some of our furniture. So that was probably the hardest thing. Uh, Living on the boat with a small amount of space and limited, there's nothing that I wish that I bought. You know, we don't have any appliances. I took off a microwave from the boat when we bought it so that I could store liquor in in that cupboard. And there's just (laughs) the important things. Um, But there's nothing that I wish I had. You know, you don't need a great deal. And that's a a good reminder. You know, we just accumulate all these things, kitchen appliances. We don't need any of it. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And actually something that a lot of people that I've talked to have said that it was really hard to get rid of all the stuff. But once they did, they almost can't picture themselves going back and getting all that stuff back after having lived on a boat. I mean, I mean, your boat is uh, is a 47 feet, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a small boat, but still with four people, it's, you know, it's not a there isn't a lot of space for extra stuff, I imagine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, everything right. has its purpose for sure. So I wanted to ask you about homeschooling, which you touched on earlier. Obviously, that started a little bit earlier than you had thought. And I was going to ask you like, oh, has that experience been like? But obviously, everybody knows now. <laughs> Anyone who has kids knows what that is like now. But what I'm curious to hear, how is homeschooling when you're kind of on the move all the time and you are in this beautiful different locations and then you have to I don't know pull up the math books and and start learning how is that for you and the kids it's easier than I thought actually um and we had a lot of support I I guess we're uniquely lucky in that because COVID hit around the time that we moved on the boat schooling systems were madly rushing to create all these home curriculum programs so that children would be learning from school so we had Um, a vast array of curriculum that we could choose. Um, So we're kind of doing a a bit of unschooling. We're not using a set online program. We're very lucky in that both of the teachers for the children back at at home uh, were very happy with what we were doing with homeschooling and and taking the kids off for a two-year break. And they said that they, in their view, the kids will learn so much more from this experience than the curriculum would teach them anyway. And they provided me with PDF of textbooks that they were using to teach the children. So I have those PDFs 
for when we don't have internet access, which is quite often because when we're in the remote islands, we don't have any internet access. But then we'll just work through the worksheets, through the the textbooks, and and that's fine. When we do have connectivity, uh, they'll use different programs. So my 13-year-old is using a math space program. My 10-year-old is using Khan Academy for maths, and they both uh, use a bit of Prodigy. Um, It's a combination. Uh, I've got some math mental maths workbooks that I'll use if we're on passage and it's comfortable enough but we don't have a really strict regime like if we decided to pick up anchor tomorrow and go for a 12-hour sale if they're not comfortable uh, inside doing schoolwork because they're feeling a bit sick I don't mind they don't have to do that they they typically wake up early by eight o'clock they would have had their breakfast and they'll start school they might do an hours of ma- an hour of maths um, some English they'll uh, they choose their own novels they read a chapter they summarize that chapter and then they do j- daily journal entries and then they have science programs so they get their schooling done within a couple of hours every day and then they're motivated by well once you've done that we will go snorkeling that reef or we'll go spearfishing here and so um, it's easy to motivate them because if they don't do it, then they might not be able to get off the boat. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's been easier than I expected. Oh, that's great to hear. And I imagine that whole not having a strict regime with everything uh, goes very well with the sailing lifestyle because you never know what yeah, will happen. Right. So, so that makes perfect sense. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What do you hope that your kids will take away from the experience, not the homeschooling, but more the, the sailing and the traveling and the family time experience? Because they're at a good age that they'll remember this easily. Definitely. So they both miss land life terribly. They miss their friends um, and they do look forward to going back. But we know as parents that this experience will instill them with Uh, skills that they would never learn um, any other way. Also, just uh, I I think what I want them to learn is that uh, to take risks um, and to have adventure. And and, when I was practising in Adelaide, when I was working full-time, my specialty is deceased estates. And I was reminded daily that Tomorrow is never guaranteed. You know, the, the amount of people that I see doing a will because, you know, they're young, but they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness or they've retired and they were going to go on a big caravanning trip, but now they've 
got cancer and they can't. So every day was a reminder that you know life is not guaranteed. And I hope that this teaches them that less emphasis on things, accumulating uh, toys and assets and, and things, but more about experiences and connection. And I can imagine how being faced with that kind of reminders on a daily basis will definitely alter your own mindset a little bit and you start thinking a little differently about what could be uh, both the worst case scenarios and and the best case scenarios. And I'm curious to hear about your sailing plan. So you left South Australia, you're now in Queensland. So that's a fair bit of distance in in itself already. Where are you planning to head now? You said you're kind of taking two years off. So what are your hopes and dreams and goals for that two years in terms of the destinations or distance or do you have any anything set yet? Well, originally um, our plan was to get up to Queensland um, and then go off to the Southwest Pacific, do Vanuatu, Fiji, um, the islands, and then head up to Indonesia and spend a year in Indonesia. Um, but that's obviously not on the program at the moment, given COVID. We've uh, both been fully vaccinated. So, um, you know, if plans change in next year, we can um, leave the Australian shoreline, we will. Uh, But at this stage, we work within the, I guess, the cyclone belt. So cyclone season starts in October and we'll need to be out of um, northern Australia by then. So we'll head back down to southern Queensland Um, until the next sailing season where if we can't leave the Australian shores at this stage, um, we're looking at going along uh, around the top of Australia and coming back down. So doing a complete circumnavigation of Australia. But, um, you know, our plan's fluid. We we don't mind, you know, if if the world opens up, we're ready to run. (laughs) And if it doesn't, then um, we, we don't mind. Yeah, well, Australia certainly has a lot to offer and it's so huge. So circumnavigating the whole country and continent is no small feat. Like it's it's a pretty big deal. And I have to admit that I was completely ignorant that you guys have cyclones there as well. But of course you do. Okay, I, I learned or I guess was re-reminded of something on this episode here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, certainly it's nothing we have to worry about in South Australia. Um, but once we get past the equator, yeah. For sure. So obviously, we talked about the pandemic. And I think at least here in Canada, the pandemic has gotten a lot of people into boating. A lot of people have bought boats or have started with sailing. And uh, a lot of people are also discovering all these YouTube channels are thinking of doing something similar that you're doing, either short term or long term. So what would you tell somebody who is thinking about taking, say, a two-year career break and, and going sailing? I'd say do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, uh, if, if it was one piece of advice, it would be uh, set a date, uh, make that date realistic, but stick to it um, and make everything work towards that date because um, you see so many people with the dream and it's always we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. But if you set a strict, realistic date um, and work everything towards that, then you have a goal. And you know, our goal was March 2021 because that is that coincided with my seven years at the firm that I was with at the time. Uh, and in Australia, 
after seven years, you get some pro rata uh, long service leave, which meant a lump sum. So that helped us. Our goal was at the end of March 2021, and we were four weeks past that goal because of, of some last minute things. But um, essentially, we, we reached that goal. And if there's anything, my advice is it's not all sunshine and lollipops. Of course, you know, it, it's difficult. The, it's not easy keeping a boat afloat um, and doing everything that is required. Things happen, uh, but it's worth it. Um, it. It really is. And so if you have that dream, set a realistic time frame and, um, and work towards that. And tell people, because you're committed, it's embarrassing to not achieve that goal. And so that's largely what we were motivated by. You know, we spoke about uh, this dream for years and it was, you know, 12 months out that we started telling people when our leave date was. And that applies an enormous amount of pressure. Uh, but the majority of that pressure is saving face. You know, we've told everyone we've got to leave, even if we duck around the corner. And <laughs> And get ready, but we, we were lucky enough to be able to go. Yeah, just get go far enough to get out of sight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that you said that you set a date and you stuck to it, and you kept that at the back of your, or maybe at the front of your mind as you went along with your plans and in your lives. In the meantime, I have done the same. I work in project management, so I think are very process like. So. <laughs> As we decided that we're going to do this, I made a beautiful Gantt chart that I frequently look at and it's got dates and I'm like, yeah, I can just tick things off like, yes, okay, well, it's coming on to Q3 of uh, 2021. We should do these things. <laughs> so it is incredibly yes. helpful and, yeah. and it just keeps reminding you of like, yeah, you really got to also work for it. You can't just set a date and then expect things to happen on its own. Yeah, and uh, look, the majority of our things happened right before that date because it, it, it just, you know, we were busy working uh, leading up to it. But um, yeah, it, it, it makes a difference because even if you're six months out from that date and you've still got 80% of the things on your list to do, uh, you plough through it because that date is looming. Exactly. It's a great motivator for sure. So I'm curious to know, though, is there anything you would do differently from the way you did it? maybe minus a global pandemic, but uh, in your preparation, is there anything you would go back and do differently? I don't think so. I, I don't, you know, we're very lucky. You know, I, I talk about the experience that we have as a family, but um, that all stems from my husband's experience and his motivation. And um, this is not something that I would have ever done without being pushed past my limits by my husband. So, um, you know, certainly grateful for that but just probably there's nothing really I'd do differently at this stage um if I knew that we weren't going to cross oceans um we might have not upgraded to this boat you know this boat was is a lot of work and it was we stretched our budget to get it but I have no regrets with the boat either it's beautiful it's just not something that when we go back to South Australia is realistic to continue to maintain while we go back to normal normal life. Whereas if we kept our production boat, the Genoa, which was just big fiberglass, less, a lot less uh, maintenance, because this is an aluminium boat and it's all mahogany interior. It, it, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But like any boat, it's a lot of maintenance. And um, I think it's probably a bit more than the fiberglass boat that we had. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's not exactly a weekend sailor that you keep for the occasional sailing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a big commitment. 
that um, I wouldn't be comfortable crossing uh, big oceans um, in the Juneau. This is, you know, we could be out in big, big weather in this and we're still comfortable. It's a good, good ocean going boat. Yeah, for sure. And that's obviously important. And that was your original plan. So that makes sense. And now you're, like you said, you're exploring Australia, your own home country. And uh, you've sailed, I don't know how many nautical miles there, but it's, it's quite a distance between, you know, South Australia and Queensland, at least in, in my mind. Uh, doing the coastal cruising around home and then coming up here. Um, yeah, we've done well over 2000 miles, which is good. Yeah, for sure. That is quite an achievement in its own, for sure. Is there anything that has surprised you about Australia and sailing there? I mean, obviously you're in the beautiful Whitsundays right now, but apart from the beauty of the Whitsundays, is there anything that has uh, surprised you in this, uh, in your own country? Um, in South Australia, uh, it's very cold, um, completely different climate. So um being out in 25 knots of breeze in South Australia um, is generally very cold and makes you a bit tense and it's not as enjoyable here. You might have 25 knots of breeze, but it's not as, um, and, and similar ocean conditions as well, but it's not, it's easier because you're in a shorts and t-shirt and you're not worried about, you know, if you fall in the water, you're not going to die of hypothermia. It's, everything's more comfortable when the weather's nice um and uh, what's been amazing is you know the wildlife the, the marine life that we've um been fortunate enough to see all the turtles the manta rays we've seen so many whales on the on the journey yeah so that's been been a delight yeah australia sounds like such a magical cruising destination even if you just stick to the coastal waters there's just so much to see and I lived there for, I don't know, six months or so, and I only saw whatever was between Brisbane and Sydney, and I feel like I saw nothing. I just scratched the surface. Yeah, so the up here, I'd never been up here. I've, I mean, I've flown in and out of um, the capitals for board meetings and stuff, but I've never explored. Um, so, yeah, it's been a beautiful, eye-opening experience of our own country. So you talked a little bit about cruising on that 37 foot Juno, and now you have a boat that is much bigger, 10 feet bigger, a whole different beast. I'm curious to hear your experiences comparing sailing on a 37 versus a 47 foot boat, because a lot of sailing schools, they teach sailing on like 30 something or maybe even 20 something foot sailboats. And then some people go and they buy a boat that is, you know, maybe 40 foot or, or something. So I'm curious to hear how different is it to sail on a 37 versus a 47 foot boat? Uh, look, I don't think the size makes a, a huge amount of difference, um, but the design probably does. So, um, you know, a 37 foot production boat is probably not much different sailing than a 47-foot production boat. But different vests, I mean, the production boats are, are beautiful, they're luxurious, they're open, uh, they're fantastic for coastal cruising and entertaining. But if we were sitting on a really windy and rolly anchorage in the Genoa, you would feel that a lot. You would, you know, sail on anchor almost and rock a lot where this is an aluminium boat, it's very heavy, 
um, and it kind of just sits heavy in the water. We've got a big bulb fuel and, you know, it can be quite a rolly and windy anchorage and, the, and you might not notice it when you're inside the boat. So it just sits differently. But in terms of sailing, I don't, I'm not sure that there's much difference between a 37-foot boat and a 47-foot boat. Did you ever consider a catamaran or does your family sailing or um, more like racing background prevent you from thinking about catamarans? Well, my husband's racing background and racing mentality has always prevented us from even thinking about a catamaran. Uh, but also our plans to sail ashore, um, didn't we didn't want a catamaran. If we knew that we were going to be coastal cruising, then yeah, catamaran probably would have been on the cards. But it's a lot more expensive as well. Um, I think that a catamaran was probably out of our price range anyway. Yeah, makes sense. And obviously, I can imagine someone who is so used to the looking at sailing from the racing point of view, that <laughs> it might be a tough sell to go into a catamaran from a monohull. So I get that. So you have gone basically as even as a family, you've gone from a little bit of competitive sailing to coastal cruising and now potentially a circumnavigation. If people want to follow your adventure or get in touch with you, are you somewhere online where people can take a sneak peek at what it's like to sail in Australia? Oh, yeah, wonderful. So um, we are, we do have um, an Instagram page called Elusive Sailing Adventures. That's Elusive with an A, A-L-L-U-S-I-V-E, uh, Sailing Adventures. So um, we have quite a good following on that. Um, and then each of us have our own um, Instagram pages, which you can find connected to that page. Wonderful. And I will be sure to link that Instagram page on the show notes as well, so people can come take a look and see the beautiful scenery of the Whitsundays and then whatever is to come after that. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. It was lovely talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this story and our first episode from Australia. I think Julie shared so many good tips in this interview and what I liked particularly was that piece of advice about setting a date and putting your everything into meeting that deadline, self-imposed as it may be. So I hope that many of you are setting those timelines for yourselves. And if you are, I would love to hear about them. So come find me on Instagram or Facebook as Liverboard Sailing Podcast and we can compare notes. Next week, it's time for another incredible sailing adventure. This time, one that lasts for a decade. See you next Wednesday and bye for now.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.